Blog Talk Radio. Chino Jalo Jinama no Dori. Nineño Hone. Bambo Wago Jivaka Lewe. Konama Tanko no Kudeka Dori. Dori Sometimes they are from Wisconsin, 
sometimes the same numbers are from North Carolina. I'm like, what? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. How are you, Brother Ted? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. I hope everyone is doing well as uh, also. A very, very informative uh, conversation we had with the doctor. And also, I think the gentleman's name was Mr. Lombe. Uh, congratulations to him for uh, coming for yeah, for surviving, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, yeah, you, you, you know, Ntei. Yes. Yeah, that's, a very, that's very important. You know, Ntei, everybody, uh, Roger, I, I was thinking that we might end up becoming co- complacent as a community as well. This is not a hoax, you know? Not at all. People are playing games with this is not a hoax. Don't listen to somebody looking it, for it, a it, hoax. It's, it's, a, it's mm-hmm. not a hoax. Uh, on the other hand, I think, uh, I, don't, I don't know if it is human's uh, attention span or what it is. Mm-hmm. There is just a point where we reach and say, whatever happens, happens. Uh, I know. Just people get, like, yes. like, 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 like some uh, president said, whatever, what is, I don't know what he said, whatever it is, I can't remember. So anyway. it, is, it is what it is. It is, it is, it what, is what it is. is. Then he yeah. got in trouble for that. So he had to do a, a quick 15-minute uh, <laughs> press conference. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think that I, that's my feeling. Um, you know, sometimes there uh, uh, in life, we all have lost uh, loved ones, and we, mm-hmm. we grieve. We, we, we've been made in such a way, as time passes, uh, that grief should, should go away. Even this fear of uh, this uh, virus, we Corona, can't yeah, be on yeah. high alert for the past Katushima eight months. Into uh, we are not made I that know. way. I think humans are not no. made that way. No. Mm-hmm. No. That's true. So, so that's why I think uh, we need to be we need to be occasionally as often as we can refreshing. talk about yes. it, bring it to the yeah yes. bring it to the platform yes. and uh, yes. you see what really threw me off Noah and mm-hmm. everybody listening is that uh, hydrochloro hydroxychloroquine conversation with uh, our sister from Cameroon and everybody saying she sent from God and all that stuff. I was just saying, can you just stop, please? Just stop. <laughs> you know, right I don't want, you know, like you said, our past. I don't want my other side of uh, my thought to come out. Okay, this person is talking about uh, sex with aliens and demons. That already there raises flags. Come on, isn't that is it that complicated? No, somebody is telling you about <laughs> aliens and all the. You should question Dick. Okay, let me stop there. <laughs> uh, Roger, I'm saying to myself, Noah, I may not qualify to say anything about the hydroxychloroquine, but definitely when you start talking about demons, you draw my attention, you know? Yeah. Can, can I say something about hydrochloroquine? Um I'm sure you've all had experience with it uh, in, in the in the in the Zambia days. But uh, yes. f- for me, when I heard that hydrochloroquine may be might have some positive effect, I, I again I don't qualify as a doctor, but I said, you know what, this might be true because in my experience, 
hydrochloroquine can cure anything. It, <laughs> it, I, I had I had heart palpitations. I had uh-huh. nightmares. I had skin rash. <laughs> I had sleepwalking. But at the end, the malaria was gone. Mm. And uh, ah, chloroquine is a horrible. Chloroquine is a life experience. Hey. Just the case was enough to know this is a medicine. It's not a game. But uh, it's unfortunate that people who've never heard of it before are immediately saying, no, this is a poison. I think research has to be made available to people who don't know, but to try and hoodwink people and and say it's completely useless, I think that's, that's the wrong way to go. I think one, brother, we'll see it, in the long in term, the, we'll see. it is in the context it's being brought by one, the messenger. You, you know, people don't like right. the messenger to begin with. Yes. So whatever he says must be must be bad. <laughs> That's a problem. Anything he <laughs> says, so. <laughs> right. That's yeah, terrible. He, he, he should have convinced, uh, who is this? Uh, Fuchi. Fauci to say that what he said. Ah, people could have taken it, but him, uh, you know, telling people let's use disinfectant to clean the the lungs. That that didn't help, you know. That didn't <laughs> help. Yeah, Noah. Good morning. Yes. Good morning, Roger. Good morning, everyone listening to the comments and the previous show. Very interesting conversations, and I have a comment on. Hydrochloroquine. So, but for now, it's good morning. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I think like because this is a continuation of Nathan. Uh, When we when we move away from it, we are we are gone. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. So, uh, my my take on the COVID nineteen, because I think some of you know that I work with the state government in Indiana, and we have set up the COVID response uh, call center where we actually provide some guidance, I think, to the medical professionals, the doctors, and everybody else, especially during the onset of this COVID-19, because when the tests were not readily available, uh, like I think the, the guidance for all the local health departments across the country was that you have to screen the patients and determine if they qualify for the test. But now the tests are readily available. But prior to to that, we uh, at the health department, uh, we would sort of give a code for, um, I'm speaking for the state of Indiana. So mm. medical professionals, doctors of any kind, uh, uh, healthcare institutions, they would actually call the state and we would sort of qualify if the person is eligible for the test or not. If not, because in Indiana, it's different from other states. In Indiana, we have only one state lab. I apologize for the background. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. So in Indiana, we have only one state lab. Your family in comparison, for instance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, for instance, in Iowa or Wisconsin, they have 48 labs. People can just go to different labs and get the test. But in Indiana, it's different. It's one state lab. So the guidance is people would call we sort of, I myself, I mean, would sort of determine whether this person needs the test or not. And then if that's the case, 
then we send a code to for the billing and all that uh, uh, bureaucracy with the processing of who is going to pay for that and things like that. Now, fast forward, hydrochloroquine is not something that's a new disease on the, I mean, sorry, a new medicine on the market. Hydrochloroquine has been used, especially in sub-Saharan Africa, for quite a very long time, and also yeah. in India, in the developing nations. So the narrative that is being put across, um, especially, I think, from most doctors, let me, let me back up a little bit. Um, when some of us work in the public health sector, I have received calls from, for instance, from doctors who say the N95 mask is not effective. And these are medical professionals. They call the state and then we have to sort of uh, take down their concerns and um, communicate to the relevant authorities. But in medical, the medical field, uh, when one single doctor says something, it doesn't hold any value because the consensus has to be done either by FDA or the CDC. I myself, I work on HIV, for instance. I manage the HIV testing program here for the state. So when somebody comes and says, oh, we have this type of um, situation going on, I have to follow the guidance which is laid by the CDC. So right now, when it comes to COVID-19, the CDC, or, or through Dr. Fauci and everybody else who work on um, these, these, these matters, they set the precedence which everybody else has to follow. So when we have uh, doctors who say uh, hydrochloroquine, you have to also factor in that the FDA approved medication. Of course, they, I'm not going to go into the, the, the bureaucracy and all the lobby for such things, is that there are these corporations, when the America says American is protect the U.S. government says it's protecting U.S. government, it protects the companies and institutions that manage these or the pharmaceuticals. So there are these giants in the industry, mm. like Gilead. That, I watched that video where that lady talked about Gilead. Gilead, for some of us who work in the field, we know it's a giant in terms of uh, uh, HIV medication and these other medications. So when you bring up hydrochloroquine, which has been effective, there has been countless articles on the record and in the medical journal. That proof is not really like something that is going to put people at risk, but it's just that from a medical point, uh, personal perspective, you cannot say what you want to say because you have to say, mm. no, they have to do research. There's literally no need to do any research on hydrochloroquine because it has been proven effective. If it, they are coming up with something from the ground up, then you can say, no, we have to do clinical trials and it's going to take a while. But it's not necessary for hydrochloroquine because it's medication that has been out there for a very long yeah. time. So when that woman talks about... Um, uh, demons and everybody else. I think you have to understand that they are trying to paint that woman that she sort of like doesn't know what she's talking about. Uh, let me talk to a little bit about American history. Thomas Jefferson, when he died, there used to be a practice called the Doctrine of Humor. Ask the medical professionals if maybe they know this. Uh, doctrine of Humor simply stated that when a person gets sick, which means the blood has been tainted, so the issue of believing in demons and everything else, it's not new, especially those who are aligned with the church. 
we know that if there's an illness, it has to do with some disturbance from entities outside the body. So in the doctrine of humor, the blood has been tainted. Jeff, Thomas Jefferson, when he died, the doctors were saying, let's drain his blood out and replace the blood with a different type of blood. So I just want to qualify the statement that uh, don't really look at the, negate everything that that woman says. By the way, she's a qualified doctor practicing in Houston, Texas. She has been practicing, and then she even went on the record and said, I have treated such and such people, and I am also a preacher at the same time. That's why maybe she, her approach was a little bit different. So I myself, as a public health professional working for the state government, I'll go on the record and say people who usually try to dismiss uh, these matters to some very great extent is just because they have to follow the protocol because the CDC, like I said, there are doctors that I have personally talked to, they say these masks, they are not effective, the N95 and all that stuff. But when you are in the field, you have to get your guidance from the, either the CDC or the people higher up. So I want just to make sure, I mean, go on the record and say hydrochloroquine should not be dismissed. And there's a lot of politics that go behind. So I think I'll end that for now. <laughs> here, here, here is my argument. Here is my argument, uh, Roger. Here is my argument. My argument yeah. is that we are in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, I, yes. These things were supposed to be addressed by Dr. Dacosta. We didn't get there. Uh, a lot of questions he didn't address. And the medical field or medical practitioner is one field which people can't just say things, no, you will agree with me. The one aspect of this he was supposed to address is the ethical aspect of it. Doctors cannot be seen to be sending a thousand signals about a particular subject in the middle of a pandemic. Mm. That is what, as a, as a lay person, that's my problem. The issue of demons and that the theological aspect of the contention with that lady, that's a different subject and a medical practitioner. You see, the thing is that here is the, the other issue that I addressed with somebody. We have an issue as a people of color, or let me just say black people, okay? Here's the problem we have. As long as the person is black, we will stand with them. It didn't matter what mistakes or blunders Obama made, as long as he was a black president, we stood with him. We have the problem of confusing sentimentalism with facts and the actual details. You see, that's what I've seen about this Cameroonian woman. Everybody, African or black, no, she's being demonized because she's a black woman, blah, 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 blah. I don't play those games. I look at information and the details and the facts and deal with them. It doesn't matter whether it's a white person, Latino, black. So as black people, let's stop playing sentimentalism when it comes to serious issues. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, my submission is that... Uh, um, yeah, 
We, we, we shouldn't <laughs> dismiss it. No, according to you, we shouldn't dismiss it. Uh, no. Chloroquine. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I, I, I mean, this is why it is so confusing. Uh, the doctors are, are telling us uh, chloroquine. Uh, Trump, again, is, is confused. Uh, and all of us, like Nathan is saying, who don't like Trump, uh, he is confused. Probably if it was uh, the doctors who brought it up. Uh, they, and, and, and the medical fraternity, Nathan, they have not even given it um, what do you call um, uh, I, I don't know what term I wanted to, to, to use. A second thought, something like that. Uh, no, I mean, maybe, the medical... Yeah. Yeah, the medical, the medical, whatever word we want to use, in my opinion, it's disappointing. There should be ethical components to these things. Come on, everything, the, the, the medical field is one where ethics is held in very high esteem. Every professional has got ethical whatever. My point, again, I'll say, Roger, without taking much time, we can't have our medical practitioners or experts sending different signals in the middle of a pandemic. That's unacceptable. No, we yeah. We can't. Yeah. We cannot. I don't care what you feel about Fuchi, what you feel about Dr. What, the Cameroonian doctor, whatever. We cannot have a thousand signals in the middle of a pandemic. 700,000 mm. people have died for crying out loud. You can't have that. The way they wanted to use was the benefit of a, a doubt. <laughs> it's like it's just been uh, uh, dismissed. Uh, no, you you are in medical. Um, again, you are dealing with text, uh, uh, testing and stuff. I asked uh, the doctor. I think he forgot to answer my my second question, uh, where we are having issues with testing in Zambia. Katushi, as always, in the Ramangawa, Diria, Shama testing. So it's very, uh, in the third world now, uh, money they had, I think it was donated, but it has, uh, again, I don't know if it is our blackness or what, it has developed uh, yeah. problems that money has disappeared. Yeah. Uh, I think part of the problem yeah. that we have uh, as Zambians or black people is that when when we look at what is happening around Zambia should be able to have qualified professionals, doctors, experts, and all the medical professionals, medical centers, investigation teams to carry out research from Zambia's perspective, not really just to sit back and wait. For instance, when you look at the CDC's mission, the CDC's mission is to protect the American people, and everything else comes second. So this is why I think when you look at the experimentation that are done or most of us who complain about uh, these conditions that they were, for instance, HIV, that it was engineered, the biological weapon and all that stuff. If we had an effective government in Zambia or in Africa, African leaders right now, I think maybe this could be a wake-up call because I think now that nobody can fly out to these other countries for medical procedures. Thank God for that. should be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that has actually maybe. Hopefully they will listen, but you never know. We should be in a position, especially now that we are approaching towards 56 years of independence, we should 
be able to have enough medical centers across Zambia where when there is something like this, we rely on our own expertise, not necessarily to sit back and say, we'll wait for donations from the West. I think that doesn't save Africa well. This is, I think, part of the point what Dr. Andamisa Moyo was making in, the, in, his, in her book, that you can't just sit back and wait for handouts and think that's development. So it's just uh, high time that I think us Zambians, we need to be able to position ourselves in such a way that we are able to advance our people, not just uh, uh, talking development or building malls, but I think we need institutions <laughs> that's going to you can defend and protect our people. So I think uh, that's sort of my submission thus far. Yeah. Uh, still talking uh, uh, COVID-19, I'm not sure if everyone saw our president go and commission a bridge uh, in, Z in Zambia with a, a very big uh, uh, crowd. In that crowd was the commissioner of uh, OP, um, special, special branch, Mr. Nkoma, got sick and very, very quickly he died. Um, the same we are seeing, uh, the, the, the Trump here. Same behavior where you want to expose people to uh, the, the, the virus. Uh, what do people um, think, especially what is happening at home? Uh, the PF will stop others from meeting, uh, and yet they are bringing uh, people together. Uh, in, in the midst of a, a pandemic, Nathan, uh, they, 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 they are doing it. What is this? You know, I don't know how how to make out of this. Yeah, the weapons of warfare they are here. Like, <laughs> we take and see. Doctor Clay. <laughs> Roger. Let's, let's bring in a member. Yeah, let, let's bring in the weapons of mass destruction here. Yes, my brother. Good morning. Uh, unfortunately, you, you, you have taken 30 minutes of the show today, the two of you, Naranesa and Oklanda, without sharing with people. Uh, ah, land, eh? No, no, no. There are some points that we could have contributed. Right now, I'm taking courses in getting my public health PhD. And the, uh, what uh, my brother Noah has talked about um, comes into epidemiology. And the biggest thing that happens in medical fields, using the system that we have all over the world, is that most of the medicine that is done is done with chemicals. Is a not something synthetic um, chemistry. Now, it's different from African medicine that comes from organic plants for us to treat something. You see? And as such, every treatment is based mm. on research. Is based mm. on research. And there are so many types of ways of getting into 
that research for you to know that you can use this medicine. I'm shocked that my brother says we cannot dismiss hydroxychloroquine without having it being used in a research format for it to treat the, the, the COVID-19. We can't do that. And that is where the problem is with our sister in Texas, the, the Cameroonian lady. We can't do that. It's not a skin color. It's not a religion. But you cannot go and prescribe chloroquine or whatever we call it, hydroxychloroquine, without having done research if it's going to work. Otherwise, you are going, like the doctor said, I joined the, the program towards the end, and he mentioned it. it hydroxychloroquine is one of the most dangerous medicines in the world. <laughs> you cannot just give anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> because there are so many things that goes into prescribing chloroquine. If you remember, they were giving us a certain number, then they start drawing down because the chemicals involved in making that medicine is totally toxic and dangerous at a certain level. We were they were giving a certain amount to pregnant women because it was a totally <coughs> dangerous for the future. And for you to come and say that, no, we can give that woman a benefit of doubt because it has treated so many things, yes, but they have researched on so those, those other things for it to work. They are still working on finding out if it can work for the COVID-19. So just because somebody is a doctor in medicine without having a laboratory for them to sit and research to find out if it's working for this, for this treatment. No, 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 no. You don't do that. You will kill Don't people. you think, Dr. K, uh, a person like him, who is more field of, she's a learned doctor. She should, she should know better, no? Politics come in. You, it has been mentioned already. Politics yeah. come in. You know that. You're right. If you look at that group, most of them, there are some other people. Some of them are um, ophthalmologists for the eye. Some of them are pediatricians, like she is. And if you look at the way COVID-19 is working, it is not killing people. In fact, most of the kids, that's what they are saying. So a pediatrician will say, I've treated a lot of people, over 300. Yes, those are pediatric kids that are healthy, that, can, that is not killing already. So don't get excited that you have done this. <laughs> you see? One of the questions, uh, Runoa. And that, that, that you, doctor, you, what's his name, the doctor, uh, our brother, Vanessa Dacosta. That Dacosta. He said it right. He knows that this is dangerous. We know from Africa that sometimes yeah, it's true. Yeah, I think to the to the doc, is it Doctor Kasonde? I think let, let me respond real quickly. 
I think um, it's, I it's Kalonde. It's oh, Kalonde. It's Kal- Kalonde. Oh yes, I agree to disagree with you on some of the points uh, you have mentioned. So let me just uh, highlight one or two things. Uh, according to the, the, if you go back in the medical journals, of course there is extensive research uh, on hydrochloroquine, and also I think most of the medical professionals here know that uh, hypocrisy uh, is fairly known for the statement saying, in terms of toxicity, it's a dosage. So water can be toxic, toxic depending on the amount of dosage that is used. So I think in this case, let us not really try to um, twist certain aspects of the truth and try to tangle them into one component. By that, I mean... Uh, that, for instance, I'm, for one, I'm sort of independent. I'm looking at this thing from a, a different point of view, more like a reg- regulative aspect, in the sense that uh, that lady, not necessarily only that uh, woman from Cameroon, she is a medical professional, and she has treated different types of people, not only kids. I've sort of dad, done a little bit of research on her. And there are other, I think, close to 2,000 doctors. These are doctors in the United States, different uh, expertise. They seem to pinpoint or to agree with uh, that when you are trying to find the solution to what is uh, the common problem now, the COVID-19, you have to look at all the uh, necessary ingredients or medication that you have on the table. You cannot dismiss. This is why I brought up the issue of bureaucracy and the, uh, the Gileads of this world, the corporations and all that stuff. To a very great extent, what President Trump or the Trump administration, I for one, I give them credit. I don't really agree with everything. I learned a long time ago that when you are given T-bone steak, you have to be sens- sensible enough to know that you only eat the meat and you leave out the bone. So it doesn't mean that everything that the Trump administration says or any other person has to be dismissed. And you have to look at the <laughs> CDC. No, the CDC no, has been... Uh, has go, go go and no, also... <laughs> I know. No. Uh, let me say this. Yeah, so let, let, let me, me just say my, my, my main point uh-uh, here uh-uh. is that in terms of um, what you are saying, I think there is a lot of research out there, and that that lady has not only dealt with kids, and that there are other countless professionals who are in the field. So I just that sort of yeah, no, that is she has she has dealt with a lot of patients, but we know who our primary patients are. They are kids. One, two. Whenever you do a research like uh, what they're supposed to be doing, is that you're supposed to have an experimental group and a control group. We don't know what other variables are involved in the treatment. So she has not done a research. So as such, we cannot for sure say that this person is a medical doctor. Yeah, being a, It's like a teacher. Being a teacher it doesn't mean that you know how to handle a grade 7 or a grade 12. No, that's not how it goes. Being a teacher doesn't mean that Kalonde I teach at the university doesn't mean that I know how to teach for kindergarten. No. There are people who are specialized in doing that. So we cannot for sure just say that she's a medical doctor. Medical doctors, anybody 
who is a medical doctor, they can treat stuff, but they are patients. And the other thing is, medical doctors, I can give examples from other brothers who are, who are PhDs, even after doing med, uh, medicine, but they go for research. Why do they go for research? Because they want to find out what works. She has never done that. You see? So I'm a teacher, but I cannot teach accounting. I'm a teacher, I cannot teach grade two. You see? So that's what you should understand. There is research. You must have a group of experimental people that you are going to give the treatment. Then you are supposed to have another group, control group, that you give the placebo to see if there are any uh, variables that are involved in the results that you're going to get. You can't just say she's a medical doctor, there are other medical doctors, but let's go for research, test it, medicine, and see if it works. If it doesn't My work, concern. then you stop it. Let's, uh, just one second, Nathan, uh, uh, sorry. We, we, we hear from what the actual doctor has to say. <laughs> Dr. Kajira, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Roger. Good morning, everyone. I've been uh, listening in very, very quietly <laughs> listening into the conversation, and I uh, just felt I needed to say something because uh, sometimes being quiet doesn't help. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you know what? Uh, I totally agree with Dr. Kalonde. You know, we let's not get emotional. Try to jump on bandwagons without uh, proper analysis of uh, how science, um, today's science, at least in this uh, 21st century, uh, is operated, and how uh, research and uh, evidence-based medicine uh, is conducted. Um, so, Noah, I get where you're coming from as a preparedness person, and uh, you say you, you really started off by building your, your platform to say why you're saying what you're saying, that you advise doctors, you do blah, blah, blah. I, I appreciate that. But I think when it comes to medical research and uh, the operations that lead to drugs being used in specific con con uh, conditions, it has to be research, as Vakalonde said. The research must be... Uh, balance. They should, it should be a placebo-controlled trial, if possible. It should have controls, like Barcalonde said, right? For a drug to be tested and shown, one, to be effective, two, to be safe. I want to tell you something from a medical a doctor point of view, that you can have one drug, right? You can have one drug used in one condition, and it's safe in that condition, you use that same drug in a different condition, becomes dangerous. Chris alluded to uh, therapeutic indices, that sometimes certain drugs have narrow therapeutic indices. And so it doesn't take much to keep the balance from a safe drug to an unsafe drug. So in the case of chloroquine, first of all, people are misquoting uh, what the science world is saying. No one is dismissing chloroquine. I heard that in social media. Hey, they've dismissed it. No, listen, read carefully. The study in Brazil, right, they use higher doses of chloroquine, like 400 milligrams twice a day, 
in combination with azithromycin, which is an antibiotic, but also has some uh, lab evidence of, uh, of um, activity against COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2. And they showed that there was an increase in cardiovascular-related uh, complications. And it's quite simple. We've always known that chloroquine prolongs the QT interval. So does azithromycin. When you combine the two, you're likely to get uh, a risk of cardiac arrhythmias and sudden death in patients. So for that reason, they, it was a fairly good study, maybe about 7,000 patients in Brazil, and they started following this patient. The study was stopped early because they saw already, according to the trends, that there was an increased risk. That's why they, we stopped the study. There are 185 studies right now ongoing on chloroquine, hydroxychloroquine, including prophylactic studies. So I just want to make that very clear, that nobody's saying chloroquine has been dismissed. What we're saying is we need the evidence before we prescribe it to the world and say, guys, now make chloroquine your standard of care in management of, of COVID-19. The second point I want to make is that Chloroquine has been used in COVID-19 in China, in France. If there was such incorruptible evidence that this is the answer, by now we would have seen good studies that have come out to show. But if you look at the French, uh, French study, there were 45 patients, only 45. And you can't draw a huge conclusion on such a small sample size. Every study has to be powered has to be powered either to show benefit or powered to show safety and so on and so forth. So there's so many um, uh, things that are going to research. Um, now, I'll also, before I end, touch on uh, Dr. Um, Stella. Look, I am a medical doctor. I can wake up one day and make an outrageous claim and say I've treated 500 patients with COVID and they are all, no one has died. Should honestly, in this world of science, should we jump and say, hey, David said he has three so why aren't you? No. Taylor should provide the evidence. What kind of patients are treating? Were they confirmed cases of COVID-19? Were they positive? Has she been following each patient that she treated? I, I'll tell you, I've worked in ER. It's very difficult for an individual to follow a patient to see for five minutes, ten minutes, then home and follow them up unless you're doing really uh, detailed follow-up, phoning them, finding outside if it, what, what's going on. Stella has not told us that she's done that. So we should not be gullible. Much as we are very skeptic about CDC and uh, Big Pharma, yes, we should scrutinize them. But please bring proper evidence. We analyze it, and then we make conclusions. We're not bought. We're not in big farmers' pockets. We are simply the well, doctors that want evidence before we can recommend wow. a drug as a standard of care. Thank you. Question for Dr. Gazira. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so ro ro uh, we have before you come in, can, can I just respond yeah. real, like two minutes? You can let Nathan say something. You've talked for a long time. Let me. What I'm asking Noah is related to this same situation. Dr. Kazila, there is. We are talking about a malaria patient. Okay. Yeah. Let's go to. Let's go back home. Somebody. 
there is an alternative to chloroquine. Patients react terribly to chloroquine. Is that right? Yes. Okay. There is an alternative to chloroquine for those who can't use chloroquine in malaria. Yes. Okay. So my second, my, yeah, my second point is that, like you have said, you said chloroquine worked in 45 patients in COVID. So is it wrong to assume that I, you may administer chloroquine to a COVID patient, it may work in some patients, and you may administer chloroquine in some COVID patients, and it may not work. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Because that's where, you have that's, to know so what stage of the... For example, if let's look at dexamethasone, the, the, the corticosteroid that has now been accepted as part of the care. All right. We we all know that mm. the old drug like chloroquine, we we use DEXA for a lot of conditions over the years. But um, it's an anti-inflammatory corticosteroid, and they've done studies in COVID, and the studies have shown that it only benefits those who are requiring oxygen. Okay. So whether masks mm. or, or or ventilated. Um, that's where the benefit is. So, for example, to say, oh, because it's effective in um, COVID-2, therefore you can start using it even at home without uh, proper uh, monitoring and so on, it would be wrong. Every, but even Chris said, we, we need to know which stage of the disease which drug is effective in and, and mm. then uh, tailor the treatment accordingly. So we are very organized. And we're selecting care because one drug can be effective at one stage but not another. Because DEXA has side effects. It suppresses your immune system. So if you start giving it uh, carelessly, you might create other problems. So anyway, that's how mm -hmm. I'll answer that point. That I, I just wanted to, Roger, I just wanted to address that. Uh, you and I uh, doing this for 11 years. There's one thing that Roger and I have learned, everybody, do I've done a lot of reading in preparing for Dr. Dacosta's discussion. And one thing that we try to avoid when we come to this show is to make, our, make fools of ourselves. We, we don't have a lot of time for, like Macalonde said, we, this shouldn't be about one person talking too much. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> I, I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, a lot of this, a lot of these trials and brother, brother Patrick, how are you today? Yes, I'm fine. Yeah, go so, ahead. No, good. Yes, and just, a lot of these trials, everything is leading leading to a vaccine. And mm -hmm. I just wanted to ask the medical professionals on, on, in here when the CDC says we've got a vaccine and we've tested it. Yeah. Will you be? Will you be confident enough? Will you be the you know in line, some of the first in line to take you and your family to get the vaccine? How many people will be there in the beginning? <laughs> that, that's, um, a good, that's, that's, that's a good question. Uh, we have to pray about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, Roger, let me like just respond one, one minute. I was planning two minutes, but I'll just respond one minute. Yes, yeah, sir. So. Yeah, so the, thank you, I think, to Dr. K, and I think they're both Ks, yeah, doctor, doctor, the two doctors. So what I think you managed to misunderstand what I was trying to uh, articulate here, 
I did not at any time as a, first of all, I'm an Afrocentric philosopher of science. I deal with higher things in terms of the assumptions of thought and the application of assumptions. So that's basically what I do. Now, to respond to your question, as an Afrocentric philosopher of science, I did not at any time, when I'm in my position of advising even part of the CDC in terms of the application of certain standards, I did not dismiss that you don't have to do research. Research is a basis for knowing. So I just want to get it on the record. I did not say, no, people don't have to have the placebo, the controls. I'm well and aware of those things. So I think you, mis you managed to misunderstand where I was coming from. I just wanted to get it on the record. And I think to Patrick's point, that's a very intelligent question, Patrick, in the sense that who says what is out there? If the CDC says there's a vaccine, people don't even have any time to question what the CDC says. So I, I, I see the sense in what you're asking, Patrick. That's a very carefully asked question. Thank you. Uh, let's see if Dr. Kajira help us so with, with Patrick's uh, question. Yeah. Uh, no, Patrick, will our learned doctor be the first one to take his family for to take the, uh, the injection? That's that's a very very good question. Very valid, and I uh, appreciate it. Um, the bottom line is. Um, there are several vaccines that are being investigated. There's the ribo, uh, ribonucleic acid type, the subunit type, the different uh, vector types. So we are going to follow very closely uh, the evidence and the safety profile of the vaccines that they're trying to produce, at least in the short term, uh, before jumping on board. Um, so. I will not just jump because, oh, a vaccine is available, everybody wants it. I, we'll have to look at the evidence, look at the safety profile of that vaccine, um, mm. and uh, before we decide which is the best one. And some of these vaccines might need multiple doses rather than one dose. So we have to be prepared if we're going to jump in, that we're going to jump in fully in order to get the protection. Um, so to, to answer your question, I can't say, well, I'm that gullible that anything that CDC says it's approved, you just jump in. I'll tell you something. There are drugs, and even nowhere, just for your information, there are drugs that FDA has approved before that I have prescribed to my patients. Vioxx, for example, which was a COX-2 inhibitor for, for anti-inflammatory. In the lab, Vioxx showed, showed that COX-2 has less side effects than, uh, say, hypobrufen, uh, the standard non-steroid anti-inflammatory. And, and we jumped on board. There was Celebrex and there's uh, Vioxx. But after about two or three years of use of Vioxx, there was ongoing observations of what was going on, and suddenly observational studies showed that Vioxx actually led to cardiovascular complications and death. And you know what they did? They withdrew it immediately. Another drug is Avandia. Avandia is a diabetic pill. That was, when you looked at the science, we were all excited. We attended several CMEs on it and the proof of what it can do. When it started being used in actual real world, 
suddenly, after a few years, Avandia showed that there was also cardiovascular risk. It was withdrawn. We moved on. So, so what I'm saying, even when it comes to vaccine, when you jump on a new drug, you've got to be a little bit cautious. Even us as medical doctors, we, we, we follow our patients to see if this drug is not causing harm. Even if it was shown in studies to be good. So uh, in answering the vaccine story, if you ask me, I would probably not rush to get the vaccine if I feel uh, the protective uh, steps that I'm taking for now are effective. And none of my family members have been exposed or are, are sick. Or, then I might, I might not jump on it until I'm sure that the, the, it's safe. That's talking to me as an individual. I like to know that something is safe. So uh, I won't just dive in with the head first without uh, looking at other considerations. Thank you. Uh, very quick follow-up question on the question of uh, a vaccine, uh, Dr. Kajira. Uh, Noah talked about, uh, I think, I don't know if there is some collaboration big, uh, between Big Pharma and uh, CDC in, in the... Uh, uh, approval uh, process. What, what, what do you know about that? Uh, what, what I know is Chris, Chris is a vaccinologist, and uh, that safety program is uh, involved in is actually just dealing with vaccines. And he, he's a project lead in one of them, the, the one out of Oxford. So I think maybe next meeting you'll clarify. I, I can't lie to you that I know much about the CDC and vaccines, but what I know is CDC collects data from research and bases mm -hmm. uh, their recommendation based on the best evidence before they say this is the drug. It's same with WHO and other agencies. They look at the best evidence, the best drug, if one or two or three, and then they'll recommend those. If there's some that have data, the data is a little weak or uh, there are some concerns. They might withhold that until for later. So, so um, yeah. uh, the processing, I can't comment on. But, okay, but okay. I think to touch on also and then my Good morning, everyone. I, don't, I think it's afternoon now, right? Yeah, you know, I'm just in awe of the amount of uh, knowledge and wisdom and education coming from. The but you're sounding far. Either you are on, you are put on speaker, which is the. Uh, let, let me cure the surrounding. Okay, just one more. Yeah, what I'm saying is that uh -huh. I'm just in awe. I'm just in awe of the knowledge and the wisdom that is coming out in these discussions, you know, and um, I, I'm wondering if I could take even just 10% of that wisdom and just, you know, you know, um, throw it somewhere in the Republic of Zambia. I think uh, <laughs> in some degree I would upgrade the status of my country. Yeah. Uh, let me um, express admiration for Noah uh, for two things. Number one, uh, at the beginning of his presentation, there were babies in the background, you know. I think that I need... My grandfather had 12 children, and I only got two, and they are now teenagers. I think I should read that. He made me envy his project of, well, you know, kind of having family background and some disturbances I admire on that score. And two, uh, Noah is on the forefront of um, uh, the mitigation steps and the application of whatever solutions are being uh, created. And... Um, 
uh, he also uh, expressed and shared some uh, useful information. Yeah, and and I also admire his ability to concede the the aspects of uh, research. Uh, if you come here in the United States, particularly in um, all fields of knowledge, you know, including medicine, the research infrastructure has been around for more than a hundred years, and you know, in every in nearly every known disease, there is some uh, some work that has already been done. Some of it has been done in, in collaboration with other countries or training in other places uh, or from uh, far away from here. But that infrastructure of medical research is very strong and well-funded and has been around for more than 100 years. And when they approve a medicine for a particular thing, it does solve the problem and the problem uh, and, and the conditions of mankind improves from that scope. So where we don't have a conclusive study or that process has not yet concluded on a particular drug, we are uh, wise to have reservations about the propositions of finding a cure uh, because it's an infrastructure. It's not based on uh, one intelligent Cameroonian girl come doctor in the West. No, it is based on, a, on a, an infrastructure of research and the multiplicity of methodologies that are used to come up with a solution in this particular field. So, uh, but the terrible part of the research infrastructure is that it does take time. So we have to be patient uh, for the findings to come up and there's no shortcut to that process. So on that score, we are within uh, our right to have uh, either doubts or hope. But even within research, we always begin with these educated guesses. Uh, so, for example, um, that same infrastructure, that, that same infrastructure that uh, we, we, we have credit to, that we are connected with, we also know that uh, for many years they have not been using chloroquine. We know that. We know that they have not been using chloroquine for many years. That is why they are not outrightly able to come and say we can use it and we shouldn't use it. We know that, for example, that chloroquine was used uh, a lot in um, the treatment of malaria in sub-Saharan Africa. But by the time we were doing that in the treating, the malaria had already been eradicated in this part of the world. So that was in some way uh, a drug uh, that is around, but not so much used in this environment. And I don't know if any one of us has ever come with malaria from Africa uh, into the United States. How long it takes them for them to help you and cure you? You can go even to Kumaka Clinic in Ndola. Uh, when they check that you have malaria, they either give you Fansida or Koatem or they give you Kroquin, whatever they, they can give you there. And malaria in a short period of time. But here in the United States, it will take longer because most doctors are not even exposed to that uh, to, 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 the, to, the, to, the, to the malaria because malaria had been eradicated for, from a long time ago. So we are in also our right to also try and look elsewhere for more work on that type of drug, particularly in regions where they have used that. I'm also curious on one score uh, to, um, to, 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 to find out from the researchers how many Africans who were on chloroquine in Africa have caught COVID. I'm interested to read about studies of that. Those. 
because here in the United States, they tell us that the majority of the people, uh, if you look at the demographics who have uh, contracted and died from COVID, are actually black people. So I would like to take a, uh, to, to, to read studies that show us where these the black people from sub-Saharan Africa who were treated on, on crocodile. I think those are the type of things we should be interested in to, to get from, um, uh, from, from, from research. But that process does take time. Uh, that's why we have to be patient. We have to take advice from those who are in authority, uh, like Dr. Fachi. They, Dr. Fachi may have not been in a clinic yesterday, like Stella wanted her to be, him to be. Dr. Fachi reads research from different aspects. And his position is the final authority on that score. So you cannot come on the scene and prescribe three, four, five tablets based on practice and an application in a clinic without, uh, without a, a proper experiment that can attest as to the, uh, the, the aspects of uh, standard treatment for that field. So we, we have all of this as ongoing. Now, let me flip on the other side. This is what has happened in Zambia. We don't have the capacity to conduct such research. And we have been independent since 1960, and this is the year 2000. We don't have the capacity to conduct those types of research on our own. If we do, we, I, I, I'm 100% sure there's no funding for those things. They can go and borrow money to go and construct a road on an obscure village, <laughs> but they don't have money <laughs> to fund research so that if we can find out how we can live better in our own land, the aspects of our surrounding that can enhance our existence. So we have to get this, um, we have to find a way to harvest uh, this collective wisdom to push the Zambian cause and, you know, take this knowledge and this wisdom and this, uh, these abilities and these ideas to advance the cause of our people. But I am just in awe of the amount of wisdom uh, you know, I, I, I could be on this show. I just keep quiet and learn and listen. Okay. Uh, I'm actually, we wanted to say something. Uh, yes. Uh, good morning. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm blessed mm -hmm. to be around uh, uh, with you guys and to be uh, participating in this panel. Uh, most of you know what I went through. Uh, I was very sick. And uh, something that uh, helped me to to go through what I went through is uh, when you go to the medical uh, uh, office, doctor, or office, uh, I, I think it's something that they swear to how to treat you and the, that, uh, you know, the ethical uh, things. At the same time, when I was in hospital, there were so many uh, everyone came up with a, a different uh, uh, way of treating you. Some people gave me hope and some people did not give me hope. But how I wanted to come to a question about uh, education and how we've been educated, and someone posed the question, if they develop vaccine, would you volunteer? Yes, I will, because I trust the young, the young uh, people and the doctors, the professors, the swell to, uh, to save and put, uh, uh, to, to protect I'm not a, I'm a medical doctor, but I benefited from it. I was trained as a diesel mechanic. And in diesel mechanic, we have a lot of fluids, and we have a lot of measurements, and we have uh, 
uh, wires, uh, cables, and stuff like that. Uh, when it goes to Africa, the weather and the stages, uh, things like that, you know. So there's, there's a way, and the reason we're responding like this is because of the president, the way he, he responded to it. You know, there's a way you can get when you have an emergency. You can get somewhere, you know. But someone can break a transmission. Transmission uses oil, and the engine uses oil. But it's too different oil. Mama, you, you, you just think about uh, two minutes. Uh, make your point. Can you make a point, number two? Number to pay engine oil, example, and everything. Now make the point. Okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's all about education, because you guys, what you have talked uh, uh, about right, right now, it's something that uh, people behind are working on, but it's uh, up to the individual to educate the individual, like trust the doctor, trust your, 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 your things. And in case of emergency, this is a new disease, you know. I'm just yeah. giving you an example. Give that's, a good, that's a good you know, point. When, 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 Roger, I know you guys are, I'm not, thank you for sharing this panel with me. And I know we have doctors. I'm coming as a layman. And uh, listen to me, too, because w when I talk to the doctors, too, and I hang out with, uh, with the doctors, too. And sometimes, you know, the, what I'm trying to say is go to advanced auto. As an educated mechanic myself, you have a penetrating oil and you have uh, uh, lubricant. You can, you can use both. And the guy who, does, who doesn't know anything about it, you can use both. But for somebody who knows, you know, no, you don't use a penetrating oil when you want to, 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 to lubricate something, you know, but the both can work. And when I was in the hospital, I used to lay down and I, the, 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 the people come in, just inject me, you know, do anything you, you want to, because I know these guys are, are studying, these guys are paying attention to it. But when we are the president, the way he was reacting to it, he's not a good listener, you know. It's not a good listener, and uh, it, it helps to uh, to have a project too. Sometimes in your life, think up with something, do some programming. You know, do I know you uh, doctors are up there. You know, think up with a radio. Know the process. Someone mentioned uh, vectors in in a, in a thing. I'm a diesel mechanic, but as soon as they mention that, I know where he's going to. You know, so the the problem is educate people. You know, have uh, it's, uh, the research has gone a lot. It is, research is not only to medical things. Research is in the engines, in oils, in uh, things, in the alcohol things that we, we use, you know. The thing is, educate people. Go to, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, what we can say, what a school, uh, a school, you know, learn something, you know. But uh, I think uh, people have to be educated too, you know. That's 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 yeah. well, 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 well said, uh, Dr. Kajira. Also, there was a question here which was uh, brought uh, as far as fatigue is concerned. Uh, what is your observation right, right now? Where we we just seem to be to be tired. What, what, what say you to us? <laughs> Fatigue on Zambia Block Talk Radio or the whole... Fatigue as in the coronavirus. Uh, put on oh. the mask, do this, do this. It's oh, like, I uh, see. Oh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I, I, before I even comment on that, let me just uh, say something really good about uh, my brother Noah. Um, you know, the response wasn't to try and uh, dampen your, your intellect. I think you're a man of high intellect and clearly good thought process. And I like that you like to try and think out because uh, a lot of us are, are Euro, we are trained in the West and we tend to follow Western methodologies and so on. So I agree with that and I would accept any criticism that we may all have who have benefited from Western education. But I agree with you on one thing about being Afrocentric. And I think we are all riding on the wave of saying uh, Africa must begin to find solutions that are unique to Africa. We find that we sometimes jump on treatments that are mainly focused, sorry guys, uh, there's a boat, uh, 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 treatments that have been either investigated or treated in the West or East and very little um, representation for, from our people on the continent. So we get left out a lot on a lot of trials, on a lot of studies, and then we, we just grab whatever evidence has been developed in the West and apply it to our, uh, our situation. I'll, I'll t give you an example of a drug, uh, a group called AC inhibitors, okay? AC inhibitors are a very fundamental part of bl high blood pressure treatment. And uh, it's sort of almost the number one drug you want to use because of its protective effects. But if you use an AC inhibitor in a black person, the effectiveness is much lower than in a white or Chinese and so on, or Indian, because we have a different um, body makeup when it comes to how we, our kidneys handle that. We are thought sensitive, and uh, so AC inhibitors don't work for that well as an antihypertensive. So you need to add a water pill called the diuretic in order to stimulate the AC inhibitor to act. That evidence only came later when it was uh, looked at in the black community in the U.S. So what, what I'm agreeing with is that uh, Africa and also Vakalonde mentioned that we need to invest in research that is Afrocentric by our own people. How do we do that? I think we need to bring the diaspora together with our, our intelligent folk on the ground and start forming synergies to, to start finding solutions for. Oh no, what happened? Uh, yeah, he's here. We can, uh, Dr. Kajula, I don't know, I don't know if it's. Yeah, he, he, now he was on a roll. I mean that that that. Was, oh man. Yeah, maybe it's I was, enjoy, I was it's enjoying that one seriously. No, I, I'm yeah. here, guys. Sorry, sorry, I'm here. So that's why we're saying we we need systems. We need to develop partnerships. Gaza, that's what we want. We saw the other day. We saw uh, our friend Kolola. Who, who, who is uh, uh, researching for Johnson Johnson, dressed in a Zambian attire, and he said, look, we are cautiously optimistic. Those are Zambians working. Why don't we transfer that knowledge back to Africa? Start doing actual research, you know, and coming up with solutions that the world can benefit from. So I think that's where we all can agree that uh, we're not investing enough in education, and I hope new uh, governments will start looking at that.
Dr. Gazira, the flyover bridge is more important. Sorry? I just wanted to joke and say flyover bridge is more important than he may research. <laughs> I know, right? And then we, we complain, oh, and if you look at the Madagascar formula, a lot of us were skeptic because the evidence they were providing was not uh, adequate. Even if, it, you know, you look at it from a Afrocentric point, but many people were emotional because it was Africa. Oh, let's support, let's <laughs> support, but with intelligence, support with, with analysis and critical thinking. So, so I think I think we we, we we have the tools. We just now need to convert them. And I, and I think Rakalonde yeah. talked about about organic versus synthetic. I think we should be focusing on organic medicines, but do proper research on them. And, and, and apply them to various diseases. Maybe we're sitting on solutions that the world has been uh, eluded that the world's attention for years. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. On well, uh, w w one question, Dr. Kajira, again, I had my own prepared topic. There comes Nathan brings an interesting question, uh, topic. Um, where is Africa as far as the uh, the... Uh, research uh, in medicine is, uh, in other words, are we just sitting waiting for others uh, to do the research? W what's happening there uh, in, your, in your networks? Are you hearing anything uh, Africans trying uh, since you talked about Madagascar? I think a general sweep to that question and a general answer would be Africa is really behind in when it comes to research in the medical field or science mm. in general. And mainly because we have not really deliberately um, invested in, uh, in that. We, we've been mm. focusing on other projects. If, if you just try to get data on Africa, what's the position of uh, research on this topic, you'll find this paucity of, uh, of data. And a lot of data, it's maybe the Europeans who have gone to Africa to do the study because they got funding from Oxfam or whatever. And then they get mm. a little collaboration from Africa. So, so I think that's one area Africa is lagging behind. But having said that, there are some uh, bright spots. Uh, the Senegalese, uh, especially in COVID-19, they've shown some, uh, some leadership there. Ghanaians, I think, have also shown, shown some leadership. South Africa has the potential because there's the infrastructure. So we just look at certain sports and encourage those sports, and then maybe they can share their knowledge with other Africans and collaborate. And uh, I think what we lack as Africans is we, we are not united enough. We don't share um, successes mm. um, so that we build on them. Um, so I think yeah. we need to start working on that. Yeah, I mean, on that point, again, someone was talking about how some doctors here, they might not even know malaria and stuff like that. I think it was Vakasonso. And yet the research and the funding for it has to be done in the Western world. When the disease affects us, who are, who are mm. Africans, yeah. So that is kind of um, sad, sad to hear. Uh, stuff, like, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, also with technology, um, yes. uh, you know, one thing we always emphasize when you get a patient is uh, get the history right. So if you, if you get the trouble history and the person says, I've just come back from 
Africa from Asia. Um, and the guy has a fever and you can't figure out. You've got to think what are the possibilities and then investigate and uh, then you'll get the diet. But, but sometimes the doctor has to be alert to that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, especially an African, an African doctor would be like, oh, okay, we'll do this. That sounds like something I know from my, yes, <laughs> from my yes, upcoming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a big advantage. Yeah. Um, Roger, Titus, just good morning. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, good morning. I'll wait for Dr. Gowan. Go ahead. Thank you, sir. Um, I just want to say one thing. I really appreciate coming on the show, Dr. Kazira, to share more, uh, as we couldn't have um, enough time with Vanessa to ask our questions with Dr. Dacosta, who I think also helped us a lot in understanding mm. where we are mm. at with the uh, COVID-19. And uh, this information, um, I would rather have this shared with our brothers and sisters back in Zambia, to understand what is pertaining um, in the field of medicine and the treatment of COVID-19. The other thing that I would say is, you see, um, COVID-19 could have been uh, taken care of easily if we followed the instructions from the experts who told us to stay home at a certain point. Uh, that's where we don't expose ourselves. That is the best cure, is prevention. I think Dr. Kazila can help us on that one also. We didn't do what we were supposed to do. If we had extended time of staying home, honestly, things would have been different than the way it is right now here in the U.S. I don't know about Canada yeah, with the brother Patrick. Canada, to Arizona, brother, no. brother Patrick <laughs> asked a question. Brother Patrick from Canada asked a question about, I think it's him, about the, either you can take the vaccine immediately or you can wait. Yeah. There are some yeah. things that, uh, that I would wait. Um, life is different from technology. Yes, when technology comes, I'm on the line for Apple to buy their Apple product because mm. I know mm. it's my field. And if, even if it is defective, it won't kill me. Mm. But with something that is to do with your life. If it is defective, then you know that you are either defective also or you end up six feet under. So it is mm. totally different. And the, as the uh, learned brother in, from Canada, Dr. Kazila, has told us, there are things that we have to hold on a bit and be careful before we run to do that. But for technology, I would urge you all of you to run to go buy it immediately. You'll be like me. Sorry, I'm just joking. <laughs> the problem, Doctor Doctor Galonde, the problem to your thought, especially uh, for you who is in uh, education, it will be probably a requirement for you to be in class, and and, and that is where things will be uh, will be dicey. Uh, no? Yes, it is. I'm going to be in class on the 17th with the two undergraduate courses, new students, and the, all of them are full. But, you know, uh, I think he, 
uh, I sent you a link from my president on what we are doing as a university. We've been mm-hmm. given $20 million by the state to fight COVID-19 on campus. That is the money back home that Bagasons was talking about that would go into pockets of people, which is what has caused our problems back home. $20 million, yeah. $20 million for a university, and it's earmarked totally to fight COVID-19. Yes, I'm not saying that everybody is going to be safe. I might be the first victim, or somebody else might be the first victim. But you know the fact is this. You can tell that somebody is fighting for you to survive rather than pocketing all the money. And as somebody has mentioned, back home, whereby they prioritize the flyover bridge. Vanessa mentioned that. You see? They prioritize something or the bridge. They go with the masses of people without protecting them. We know we have politicians here who are doing like that. But is it right? No, it's not. And in my classes, I can tell you, I've been moved from where my building is to go to agriculture because they have bigger rooms whereby we can do social distancing in class. I went to visit the class to see how it is two days ago. I went to see the class physically. I found the class has been dismantled. They are building different social distance rooms with technology whereby they will try to make me safe. That's what we should be fighting for even back home, whereby things are done correctly. That's good. That's very good. Roger, let's let everybody know that uh, next month, some of our shows will be going to Zoom. So you all get ready. We want to see your facial expressions as you make your passion contributions. And then on those shows, uh, we are likely to have uh, Paramount Chief Chitimukulu to join us. And uh, 22nd of August, we have Mr. Friedman confirmed. So most likely our launch day for Zoom will be Saturday the 5th of um, September. Uh, we hope COVID-19 will be gone by then. So we, we, we don't know. Uh, Titus. Good morning. Yes. Good morning, everybody. Good yes. morning, doctors. There's quite a lot of doctors today. <laughs> um, I, was, I was just trying to follow up. <laughs> I was just trying to follow up on uh, on the research directly to the doctors. The problem that I've seen with Zambia is the laboratory labs to carry out a research. Most of the things you find that something that is originating in Zambia, they're checking, all of a sudden it goes into Malawi or some country that has proper facilities for research. So how can we fight for where we can have research uh, facilities in Zambia to do anything? That's one. The second one is, uh, uh, have we checked on uh, a research based on most of the African continent and some other areas maybe in Asia? They've used chloroquine before for malaria fighting. Can it be traced to why maybe there could have been a resistance with African people when they might carry a virus, the coronavirus, but maybe they don't show whatever because the system of chloroquine might have been in the system. We're used to that 
from the malaria perspective, whether olden times I took my chloroquine, nearly every African has taken chloroquine before or some, something about malaria. Is there any supporting document that if you took that, maybe your resistance could be a little bit better than if you, somebody who has never taken chloroquine? the Western world, and then you're hit with coronavirus, what is the effect? What are the differences? Is there any difference from somebody from the third world who has taken chloroquine before and somebody who has never taken chloroquine and they're both hit with coronavirus? Um, that's, that's a good question. Um, I don't think uh, there's a clear answer yet. Uh, I haven't come across it. But just using basic... Uh, pharmacokinetics, uh, pharmacodynamics of drugs. Um, the, 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 every drug has what we call half-life, okay? That's, that's mm-hmm. the amount of time it takes for 50% of the drug to be cleared out of the body. Um, okay. and, and so chloroquine, um, unless you have chloroquine in your system, uh, perpetually present, I don't see how it can be protecting you if you took it 20 years ago or 10 years ago, even even a week ago. Uh, second point is that chloroquine use has dropped drastically over the last uh, few decades due to chloroquine-resistant malaria. So chloroquine stopped being the first drug of choice in many African countries because mm. of chloroquine resistance. And that happened a while ago. Um, the endemic uh, area Zambia a while back uh, when I went to South Africa in Durban we hardly had malaria cases except those that were coming from from some of the areas in KwaZulu-Natal um, but what I know even in Zambia when you read up chloroquine use has has not been that much anymore if, to a point where it was becoming a, 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 a sort of um, a drug that is forgotten, except for a few areas where there are Zyvax malaria and the malaria and other uh, ovale, those ones were still uh, used in certain parts of it, but majority um, not so much. So I, I don't think personally that uh, chloroquine past use uh, gives you any advantage, but uh, who knows? Maybe there's a down-regulation or up-regulation of certain receptors because of that. I don't know. Um, but the one that seems to be more uh, of a research proposal is BCG vaccination. And I think mm-hmm. next time we have the meeting, um, uh, Chris DaCosta can uh, allude to, to that. But there's two types of vaccines. Uh, BCGs. There was the Russian model and the Denmark model uh, uh, version, and apparently uh, areas of Africa and Asia that use the Denmark uh, version of BCG vaccine for tuberculosis seem to have lower numbers of uh, COVID than the ones that used the Russian model. So that's probably in the early stages of research, and people are wondering. Uh, but I think we can't put our cards on that because we are now seeing high levels of COVID in Africa as well. So I don't mm. think there's that much protection going on there. Just a minute. Just one more thing, Dr. Ajira, a little bit off, which is uh, on the research based on boosting African studies, like you said, 
Well, why don't we say research on, uh, you know, when you eat too much in Shima, you make you sleep, and we have all these sleep problems <laughs> where people cannot sleep. Isn't there any way we can try to find out what drug can, how can we infuse 500 milligrams of Shima concentrated thing and create a pill that can be marketable? Because we know for sure you eat Shima, you go to sleep. We know why you go oh. to sleep. It's called the alkaline tide. When you okay. eat a heavy carbohydrate meal, uh, mm-hmm. it's deviation of uh, certain chemicals in your body and your alkaline levels go up and you feel drowsy and you have to take a siesta. So that's a well-known issue. We learned that in medical. So you don't need a drug. Just eat lighter for lunch and, uh, uh, you know, and then you'll be okay. 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 Yeah. So sorry, sorry for that. Um, I didn't touch nothing on what we wanted to talk about. Those uh, Anyone who saw what happened in Beirut, Lebanon, uh, those chemicals were actually destined for Mozambique. Uh, so we wanted to, to, to do a discussion, uh, see how, I don't know how prepared we are for something like that, uh, maybe next week. But have a good weekend, everyone. Thank you, Dr. Kajira. We made you a, a guest uh, out of... Uh, yeah, you, you helped us. I know oh, you didn't say anything. Right, right, you didn't indicate you wanted to say anything. But uh, thank you for coming. Yeah. Thank you.